It's opening day for college basketball. It's time for the Tar Heels to put last year behind them and move forward. And it all starts tonight against Radford. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? It is Monday, November 6, 2023. It's game day. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade. I want to thank you for joining us to make Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or watch of the day. I want to thank you everydayers for joining us. Always great to be back together. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. Hey, if you're looking for some Carolina community out there, come join our Discord. The link is in the show notes, both on audio and video. We have a great community for the Locked on Tar Heels. Uh, Just family going on. Come join us. It's awesome. Coming up on the show today, we're going to have our game preview for the game against Radford tonight. Recap of football. Recap of the weekend whip around for other Carolina athletics. But before we get to all of that, since it is opening day, I want to zoom out a little bit and look at Carolina's entire basketball schedule. And I want to predict the entire regular season and tell you what I think the Tar Heels will be sitting at when we are facing the ACC conference tournament in March. I'd love to hear your predictions as well. Come on this journey with me. Let me know what you're thinking in the show uh, comments or DM us, whatever it is. Um, And as we get into that, again, I said it in the cold open, last year is over. This is a new, talented, veteran, experienced group led by two mainstays in Armando Baycott and RJ Davis, led in other ways by new guys coming in, Cormac Ryan, Harrison Ingram, and the rest of the crew. It's going to be a phenomenal ride, a phenomenal journey, and it's just time to move forward and do it. So here we go. Let's go all the way through the regular season. There are 31 regular season games in men's college basketball. There will be um, 11 in the non-conference portion of the schedule. Let's walk our way through it. Carolina starts with three what we call buy games where you just pay a team to come lose to you at home. So you can't lose those and Carolina shouldn't. That's Radford, obviously, tonight. Lehigh on Sunday and then UC Riverside. Boom, boom, boom. Win, win, win. But immediately after those three games, you head off to the battle for Atlantis during Thanksgiving week. It'll be the Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. The Tar Heels start with Northern Iowa. You might recall they lost to Northern Iowa at Northern Iowa, to be fair, during Marcus Page's senior year. Uh, Carolina will not do that. They're going to beat Northern Iowa and move on on Thursday to either face Villanova or Texas Tech. I expect Villanova is going to be back this year. I expect I expect them to beat Texas Tech, and then that's who will be playing on Thanksgiving Day, Carolina and Villanova. That's a tough test, but I think the Tar Heels come away from it. And then that sets up on Black Friday. Uh, You're either playing, regardless of what happens, it's either going to be Stanford, Michigan, Memphis, or Arkansas. Now listen, the Razorbacks have reloaded through the transfer portal, just like the Tar Heels have. 
That's a tough team. But ultimately, I'm going to say Carolina wins whoever they play that day. Um, and so there we go. Now, th- you've got two tough games there at the end of Battle for Atlantis, but then we move into the toughest portion of Carolina's non-conference schedule. You've got Tennessee at home in the inaugural ACC-SEC Challenge. I have the Vols as one of my final four teams this year, but given the environment, you know how raucous these um interconference matchup things get. You know how tough it's been to win the Indiana the last couple of years, for example. So uh, despite playing Tennessee, who I think on a neutral might actually be better than Carolina, at least right now, uh, because of the Dean Center, Dean Smith Center, the Dean Dome, Carolina wins this one in a squeaker. And then Carolina on December 5th heads up to New York to the Jimmy V Classic at Madison Square Garden to play reigning national champion UConn up close home for the Huskies. Carolina drops their first game of the season there. Following that 11-day layoff for Christmas break, Carolina then heads back down to Atlanta to play Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic. Uh, Kentucky on paper is probably the more talented team. They've got another loaded freshman class but Carolina's got that veteran experience and is obviously very talented as well. Carolina wins another close one. Uh, then the Jumpman Invitational, Oklahoma. Due respect to the Sooners who just lost the last ever Bedlam on Saturday. They're going to lose this one to the Tar Heels as well in Charlotte. And then Carolina wraps up the non-conference portion with, on at least on paper, the worst team they're going to play all season long. And that's Charleston Southern who is outside the top 300 at Ken Palm. Uh, That's the only team Carolina will play outside the top 300. So should be a nice, easy win to wrap up the regular season. Now, uh, I or to wrap up, excuse me, the non-conference portion of the regular season. I obviously skipped over the Florida State game that falls between Tennessee and UConn, uh, because we'll talk about that here in just a second as we get to the conference portion of the regular season. So tracking through all those 11 non-con games, I went with a 10 and one record as I went game by game. And, and that's one thing, but when you zoom out and look at this schedule, that it is the type of schedule that Carolina will probably drop another game somewhere in there. I wouldn't be surprised if it's in that stretch of the end, the last two games of battle for Atlantis through Kentucky where Carolina drops one of those games, whether it's Tennessee or Kentucky or maybe to Arkansas. Um, and so we're going to go with a 9-2 and two record in the non-conference portion of the schedule. That's great, and we will certainly take that um, uh, heading into the ACC portion of the schedule. So let's do that. Picking up with Florida State, which, as I said, is actually um, wedged into the non-conference portion of the schedule between Tennessee and UConn. Florida State projects to not be great again this year, better than they were last year, but still not all that good. Carolina gets off to a good start in ACC play. Now we get to the main chunk, the final 19 games of the conference portion of the schedule. You might have seen this. Maybe you haven't. Carolina actually starts off with three straight road games in this chunk at Pitt on Tuesday, January 2nd, at Clemson on Saturday, January 6th, and at NC State on Wednesday, January 10th. Um, I believe that the Tar Heels will drop one of these three games, uh, just being three straight road games out of the gate. It just is the kind of almost uh, probability of what will happen. And honestly, getting out of that stretch two and one would be great. I think it will be at Clemson, who I have as a top five team in the ACC this year. And so that's where I have Carolina dropping a game and then coming back 
on Wednesday, January 10th to knock off NC State. Now, the Wolfpack uh, classes are back in session that week, so that could be a tough environment, but I think Carolina is ready to handle it. From there, a, a nice little winning streak for Carolina against Syracuse at home on January 13th, at home against Louisville, poor Louisville, on January 17th, and then at Boston College on Saturday, January 20th, home to Wake Forest. That's a nice three home games out of four stretch on Monday, January 22nd. That is a Saturday to Monday, but it's at Boston College, home to Wake Forest. I think Carolina will take care of business there. And then you're at Florida State, another one that Carolina should win. And then at Georgia Tech, we know how that's gone for the football team. I think the basketball team will come away with it. So for me, after that three-game opening road stretch, I have a nice little six-game winning streak here for the Tar Heels leading up to the first Duke game of the season. This one's at home on Saturday, February 3rd. I actually have the Tar Heels losing this one to Duke to end that winning streak. But then Carolina gets Clemson at home, a little bit of uh, revenge based on what I said earlier, and Carolina knocks off the Tigers on Tuesday, February 6th. But then they go down to Miami that Saturday, February 10th, and they lose. It'll be a losing streak of two in three games. That's that's just a tough stretch. Duke at home, Clemson at home at Miami. I have all three of those as three of the other top five teams in the conference. And so um, I, I know I talked about escaping that three straight road games, two and one. I have Carolina going one and two in this stretch. But that I mean, it's to be expected at times. It's just the nature of a schedule. But then after that, Carolina gets kind of back going again at Syracuse on February 13th. It's a Tuesday. Carolina will win up there. Back home for Virginia Tech, Carolina wins on Saturday, February 17th. And then you are um, at Virginia on Saturday, February 24th. The Tar Heels do have a week off after Virginia Tech before this one. Uh, Just have struggled in recent years uh, against Virginia, period, but specifically at Charlottesville. Um, at John Paul Jones Arena, and so I have Carolina losing that game. Although, under I do believe in the Hubert Davis style of play, I think the Tar Heels are set up better to beat Virginia than they were under Roy Williams. And then Carolina comes back home for Miami on Monday night, so that's a Saturday, Monday, but Miami's got to do the same thing, and they're traveling on the road for the back half. I have Carolina getting some revenge after that loss to the Canes two weeks prior. And then Carolina, that's the first of a three-game stretch to close out the regular season before going to Duke. After that Miami game, you get NC State at home that Saturday, March 2nd. Notre Dame at home, the only time Carolina plays them this season, Tuesday, March 5th. Uh, Carolina wins all three of those home games. Notre Dame is not going to be very good this year. And then you travel to Duke to close out the regular season on Saturday, March 9th. I have the Tar Heels getting revenge for the home loss by knocking off Duke on their senior night, if they even have any seniors on that team, um, to wrap up the regular season with a four-game winning streak. And I have Carolina's conference record then at 16-4. and four. And so when you combine that with the 9-2 and two record in non-con play, I have the Tar Heels at 25-6 and six in the regular season. Again, I'd love to know what you have the Tar Heels doing in the regular season. And honestly, this would be the best regular season since 2018-19. That was Kobe White's only year in Chapel Hill. That was the Zion Williamson shoe year. And so 
that's what we're looking at there. Now, if you're superstitious like me, the last time the Tar Heels lost six games in the regular season, 2016-17, the national championship season. So six regular season losses would be great. So that's my regular season record for the Tar Heels, 25 and 6. Again, I would love to hear yours. So we just zoomed out to take a big picture look at the season. Let's zoom right back in to see the first step in that journey. What's going to happen tonight as Carolina takes on Radford to open the regular season? We'll try to answer that question in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Athletic Brewing. It's time for your game changer of the week brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Omarion Hampton just continues to be an absolute dude, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. Full flavor, well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. Seriously, Omarion Hampton just continues to churn up yardage with his powerful frame, getting better as a game goes on, not having to against Campbell on Saturday, but he just leaves defenders wishing the game would end in a hurry, and you love to see it. Athletic Brewing has over 50 styles of craft, non-alcoholic beers, including IPAs, Goldens, Sours, and more. And their brews are fit for all times. You can drink them any, drink them anytime, anywhere, and they help make any activity more enjoyable. Like watching Carolina and Radford tonight. Open up an Athletic Brewing Company's brew. You can find them at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. All right, let's get into previewing Carolina versus Radford. Tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the ACC Network. By the way, if you're interested in hearing from Radford's head coach, Coach Nichols, we interviewed him on Locked On College Basketball last Thursday, so you can go and find that and check it out. FanDuel's line for this game. FanDuel, the official betting partner of the Locked On Network, loved our partnership with them, has Carolina favored by 18 and a half. And the over-under set at 141 and a half. Really interesting to see how that will go. I'm going to say Carolina ultimately covers. Let's, uh, you know, not beat around the bush with our predictions here. Radford, though, should be a good team. Um, in the They're in the Big South Conference. They're second in that poll behind UNC Asheville, the defending champions who get Drew Pemberback, an absolute dude for that conference, and head coach Mike Morrell. Um, they made the CBI semifinals last year, and so doing great work. Um, at Ken Palm, Radford is 168th in the nation. Obviously not great if they're a power conference team, but of the bye games that Carolina will play, they are by far the best of those four teams. So this is not a throwaway game. Carolina's got to be in and ready to go. For Radford, their key players, two guards in particular, Daquan Smith and Brian Antoine, who both made the preseason Big South first team. Smith is a 6-1 guard, led the team last year in scoring 13.9 a game, shot over 40% from three, and made 80 total. Um, Antoine does the same thing, but he's a little bit taller. 6-5 guard, probably will play the three for them. Cormac Ryan, assuming he's healthy, will guard him. But last year, 11.4 points, he shot 42% from three. So Carolina's going to be have to be ready for this barrage from outside, which you know Radford's going to be trying to do uh, to, to pull off an upset. The other projected starters for me are guard Truth Harris, a 6'2 guard. He's a JUCO transfer, will be part of 
what I think should be a three guard backcourt lineup for Radford, along with their front court guys, Chandler Turner, uh, a Bowling Green transfer, and Justin Archer, who are both six seven forward. So it'll be interesting to see how they contend with Armando Baycott. Injury watch for the Tar Heels heading into the beginning of the season. Obviously, we haven't seen Seth Trimble in action. He missed both live action and the exhibition game. And so we're going to have to wait to see if he's going. Same, Jalen Withers missed the exhibition game. And as you'll recall, Cormac Ryan left the game right before halftime with an ankle tweak as well. Uh, With all due respect to Radford, For any of these three young men, if they are not fully 100% ready to go, there is zero point in playing them and risking further injury before you get to games that start to matter, like at Battle for Atlantis. You really want to have these guys available and ready there and as close to 100% as possible. So we'll look for that, um, look to see if they're ready to go. Um, And even if all three of them are out, which hopefully they're not, even without, you've still got eight scholarship players and should be ready to go. All right, let's get to our four corners preview. For those of you who are new this college basketball season, first off, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Secondly, the way we preview and review basketball games is what I call our four corners preview or recap. Uh, That's just a nod to legendary coach Dean Smith and his four corners offense that was popularized with the Tar Heels. So we'll look at four things ahead of this game. Number one, who's Carolina's starters going to be? I think we all are clearly assuming RJ Davis, Armando Baycott, and Harrison Ingram. The reason I've left Cormac Ryan out uh, is just because we wait to see his health and if he'll play, as we just talked about. If he's healthy, he will be a starter as well. But the question mark, the big question we're all waiting to see is will the fifth starter be Paxson Wojcik, uh, the the fifth-year senior transfer um, who started the exhibition game, Or will we see true freshman, well, not really true freshman, because he uh, reclassified freshman Elliot Cadeau. Um, My assumption is that Coach Davis is going to continue rolling with Paxson Wojcik for the time being, but that ultimately as the season goes along, Elliot will replace him in the starting lineup. But for now, as you start the season, just wanting to get Elliot comfortable, which it seems like that's something he wants, right? Like he's not going to begrudge this or be upset. He wants to play whatever role he needs to. He's talked about that and said it, Um, but we're going to have to wait to see who that's going to be as we get closer to the game. Four corners preview point number two. I want to see as clean a game as possible from the Tar Heels. Anytime you get your first game, there's going to be jitters. There's going to be miscues, but you want to limit them as much as possible. Carolina had 12 turnovers in the exhibition game. Thankfully, though, none of them were from the main ball handlers, which is great. But you want to stay away from those turnovers. You want to stay away from injuries, if at all possible. And as I said, ahead of the exhibition game, you want to be locked in. While um, Radford is not a high-level opponent, you don't ever want to play down. Elite teams, this is what I'm going to keep hammering on, elite teams do what they do and don't play to the level of their opponent. You know, like they just are them and just go and crush opponents if and when they can. So we'll watch for that. How clean can Carolina play in this one? Number three, I'm going to be watching Carolina's defense. You might recall we talked about a good bit. uh, Coach Pat Kilby and I did last week on Wednesday that Carolina was switching all their ball screens, kind of a change in ball screen defense from one to four, everything but Armando. Um, 
And then as for Armando, a defensive changes, we saw him running the post. Coach Kilby speculated that maybe Carolina will be working towards playing a no middles defense. So we're going to be watching for both of those things, how Carolina defends ball screens and how Armando Baycott is playing. Is he in front of his man? So on the other side of the man, or is he between the man and the basket? So you can be watching for that as well to get a glimpse into what Coach Davis is having the Tar Heels do on defense. And then fourth thing that I'm watching for in this game is that Armando Baycott should absolutely have a field day. In terms of just height discrepancy, these two teams match up just about everywhere else except for at the five spot. Uh, Harrison Ingram, who will start at the four, six, seven, just like whichever of uh, Radford's front court guys will be on him. Uh, we we talked about that the rest of that front court or the back court, excuse me, six one, six two, six five. That's like almost identical to Carolina in terms of height. Now Carolina is obviously the more talented team, so the guards are going to be able to do some things um, extra. But Armando should have an absolute field day, being able to do essentially anything he wants in this one. So I'm looking for the guards to get him the ball to do what he needs to do. But then what happens as the defense starts to sag down on that? This year, the Tar Heels have reliable, dependable, efficient shooters who Mondo can kick back out to for those three balls. So I think Armando should feast. Watch for that, how he does in the post. Then also watch how he shares the ball as the defense adjusts to him. Those are the four things we're watching for in this one. So basketball back in action. I cannot wait for it. Tonight, 7 o'clock on ACC Network. I hope you're ready as well. Well, let's switch from the hard court to the football field where Carolina got back to their winning ways on Saturday uh, and are now preparing for the tough, tough, tough closing stretch of the season. What did we learn from the game against Campbell that's going to help us get ready for that closing stretch? We'll talk about it in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's honestly so easy to create a free job post, and then you just add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word to everybody that you're hiring. After that, you can use simple screening tools like questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skill set and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and then ultimately hire for your team. This is all why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. So post your job right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. Carolina jumps back into the polls this week. Kind of crazy after falling out after the two game losing skid. Uh, enough teams lost ahead of Carolina that even though it was just Campbell, they do jump back into the AP poll at 24 and they are 23rd in the coaches poll. So here's the deal with this game from Saturday. It's Campbell. You're going to win. Basically, what games like this are about are a reset. I've kind of been calling it that all weekend. In Carolina's case, specifically this year, it's an opportunity to clear out the cobwebs that were lingering from the previous two weeks and then be able to whoop, 
fix your attention ahead to Duke, Clemson, and NC State in the coming weeks. And that's exactly what Carolina did. They they got back on track, clearing out the cobwebs, winning 59-7, to and allowing zero points to the uh, Campbell Camels over the final 46 minutes of the game. So what can we learn? Because you look at this and you're like, oh, that's an absolute beat down all the you know, all the backups are in and playing. What on earth can you take away from a game like that? Well, a couple things. First off, we got to start with the defense because that has been the bugaboo the past couple weeks that has let Carolina down. Um, if not for that, they win both of these games and are still undefeated, which is a frustrating thing to say right now, right? Yes, absolutely, it is. But the, the issue for the defense has been dealing with tempo and getting substitutions, getting play calls in quickly, and therefore Carolina has looked gassed. That's been what commentators have been talking about. But it's it almost feels like the bigger issue is not being able to get calls in quickly and be ready to know what is my role right now. That's been the bigger issue. So Carolina, in between Georgia Tech and Campbell, was basically trying to figure out how do we deal with tempo. And so that's what they've been working on instituting this week. And so you look at the score of this game and think, oh, all is well. They got that all figured out. But if you actually watched the game, you know it did not feel that way out of the gate. Carolina was still trying to adjust to what the new things they were going to do were. And so it allowed Campbell, especially through the first quarter and into the second quarter a little bit, to have some success offensively, more than I would have liked for the Tar Heels to surrender. Now, once they got settled in, though, boy, they were off and running. The, the end of the second quarter and on, it was just all Carolina all the time. So um, Carolina's still trying to work at figuring this out. Hopefully they'll be even able to do more of that this week ahead of playing Duke on Saturday night. Number two, what can we learn? Man, Tez Walker is a, a champion, right? Like think back to the end of the Georgia Tech game. The Tar Heels are on that final drive. He gets blasted. Unfortunately, can't hang on to the ball, but that's the least of your concern at that point. It's, is Tez okay? And at that point, it's like he's going to the hospital. He's getting evaluated, being held overnight. Are, will he play not only Saturday, but the rest of this season? Like, that's what you're thinking. Not only does Tez Walker play in this game, he catches the first touchdown of the game. He later catches a second touchdown. And it's like, good grief, Tez Walker, for everything you've been through this year. And then to add this on top of it, it's just a story that we will tell for years and years and years. So you love to see it. Congrats, Tez, on being healthy. And uh, so, like, great, great production. So proud of you. But just glad that this young man is healthy and back on the field. Uh, third thing, kind of, we learned. Another holding call for, against Carolina brings back a touchdown. A massive day for Amarion Hampton. 15 rushes, 144 yards, two touchdowns. But it could have been over 200, and it could have been three touchdowns. Just frustrating. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is that it was great to be able to get Connor Harrell some work. Um, with, with having a big win, you really now need to start evaluating, all right, Drake's gone after this year. What does Carolina have what they need at home, or do they need to go into the transfer portal and find someone? And it was a great day for Connor Hill. Had a 61-yard rushing touchdown, had a nice uh, passing touchdown to Chris Culver. And so a great opportunity for the coaching staff to really start evaluating, all right, could this be our guy? But now you put this Campbell game behind you because what you got ahead, this three-game closing stretch is just frankly, very difficult and is going to set the tone 
for right now, you know, we feel still very disappointed. But if things go a certain way these final three weeks, you feel completely different about this season than you did after Virginia and after Georgia Tech. As Carolina hosts Duke, travels to Clemson, travels to NC State. I mean, I'd I'd love to get two of those games. Obviously, I would love to sweep them. But if you could get two of those, you got to feel good about yourself. I know you're not going to make the ACC championship game at that point. But getting any combination of two wins in this stretch, I think is is a win. Uh, let's run around the rest of Carolina athletics really quick. Just three things I want to point out. Field hockey, they just keep rolling. Even as you change over to Aaron Matson as your coach. Seamless transition here. Uh, Carolina wins the ACC championship, beating Duke in the process in the championship game. Seventh straight ACC crown. There were no guarantees it would work with this young woman stepping straight out of playing into coaching, but at least so far it has. Why? Carolina is the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament for the second year in a row and for the fifth time in the past six tournaments. Uh, Carolina is the top overall seed. We'll play Friday at noon at home at Karen Shelton Stadium against the winner of William & Mary and Sacred Heart. If they're so fortunate to win that game, they will play again on Sunday against the Harvard and Rutgers winner, and that will be at noon, and that's the quarterfinals. It's really quick. There's only uh, 16 teams, two playing games, so 18 teams, I guess I should say, Um, and that's awesome. But the even better news is if Carolina wins, uh, they will get to keep playing at home because the Tar Heels are hosting the semifinals and finals at Karen Shelton Stadium on November 17th and 19th. More great Tar Heel wins. Men's soccer goes to Wake Forest, wins one to nothing in the ACC quarterfinals, and now will travel up to Syracuse to take on the Orange on Wednesday in the ACC semifinals. And women's tennis, man, this thing just keeps on rolling. Reese Brantmeyer is your 2023 ITA Fall National Singles champion per the ita it's the fourth time in the past five ita national fall championships that the tar heel has been your women's singles champion absolutely ridiculous but hold on reese brantmeyer comes back with elizabeth scotty and also wins the doubles championship good grief not to mention that abby forbes and riley tran take home the consolation doubles championship the tar heels just continuing to do work friends national champions great wins all around i mean i guess there was no championships won but you know what i mean like carolina well i guess there were championships won in the tennis side of things it's just not an ncaa championship Tar heels are rolling it's great to be back together to kick off a brand new week uh man can't wait to be talking tomorrow about hopefully the Tar heels being one and oh on the young season and then roll on from there. Hopefully you had a chance on last Friday's show to check out our conversation with the co-hosts of Sleephawk Worldwide, Tyler Hansborough and Brandon State. And make sure you go catch that if you didn't. Again, come join our Discord. We'd love to talk with you there. If not, come email us, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on video and audio formats. Smash the like button to let us know you were here. And again, we'd love to hear your comments. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Can't wait to be right back with you tomorrow. But until then, peace. Peace.